0: Hey everybody and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and here we are another live stream. Guys, I am so excited. Actually, I am almost too excited for this. So we're going to actually move this live stream to tomorrow while I collect collect my nerves. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Actually, we do have a lot to go over today and I'm really pumped about it. First being uh, an interesting... Uh, Situation that I had today while perusing some physical media that we'll dive into in a second, but uh, our agenda. I'm also, I have a very special treat for everybody tonight. We've got a live unboxing uh of some comics that came in the mail today so i i do know what they are but i've never seen them before so what we're gonna get get that going i've got our marvel unlimited picks for the week so i did read through some marvel unlimited comics that came out yesterday and uh, we'll talk about that thank you guys about that camera uh a lot logic coming in quick uh then we also have the 65th anniversary of 12 angry men which we will talk a little bit about to celebrate uh also uh your boy went and saw the first season of ted lasso this week uh, which was long overdue i'm very excited to talk about it and then we will get to the main event which is everything everywhere all at once which kind of feels like this episode to begin with with the amount of things that we have to talk about so uh with that said Uh, let me dive into this story so many of you may know this uh, if not and if it's not apparent by my background or by the stories you've heard i like physical media i'm a fan uh you could say that i'm a disc snob Uh, take your pick but i i love physical media i like having an actual disc that i can put into my xbox or my my blu-ray player and i get the best quality it's always going to be better than streaming but i also recognize that it's really nice to just have HBO Max and to put that stuff up. So I've been in kind of a war with myself of do I continue with physical media? And it's not been an easy war because I plan on continuing with physical media, but today was a big one because uh, Spider-Man No Way Home came out today and uh, it, on physical copy. And so I went and waited in line at Best Buy for the, uh, the Steelbook because I was not able to pre-order it on Best Buy. It sold out almost immediately. So I thought to myself, okay, well, Spider-Man is worth it. I, you know, One of my favorite characters, I'm going to go wait in line at Best Buy. And so I did, and they didn't have any copies at Best Buy either. And so instead of buying a physical copy, uh, just the regular version, I'm deciding to wait. I'm going to wait, because typically those... Uh, they come on sale. I get that Spider-Man's a popular character, but eventually there's always some sort of sale on Amazon where the price drops to like 15 bucks. So I'm choosing to wait. I'm bummed that I didn't get a steel book. It's actually the first MCU movie that I have not gotten a steel book for. So uh, I'm dealing with it. I'm gonna be okay. Uh, and yes, oh, I see uh, Stevie's in the chat too. My brother, what's up? Uh, hey everybody. So uh, let's dive into this unboxing. I'm I'm super excited about this. So for those of you listening uh on podcast format i am currently cutting into this box and if you don't believe me here's the razor uh check it out on youtube but uh, i'm really excited guys because there's a really cool one in this this order Uh, okay so we'll see my wife said that everybody loves a good unboxing video so i'll try not to i have to show it right okay I use Midtown Comics, uh, 35% off of pre-orders, can't beat that. Uh, Okay, oh yes, okay, we're just going to jump straight into this. So I pre-ordered this like last year, last summer. This is the uh, X-Men Omnibus from Jonathan Hickman. So this covers issues 1 through 21 of X-Men. This is actually the direct market variant cover. I'm trying to be professional with this, but this is just gorgeous. I am so excited. Uh, This was one of my favorite covers of the entire run, and for them to put this on the front of this hardcover, I I can't believe it. Uh, But again, this was an incredible run. If you guys are a fan of Jonathan Hickman or uh, anything X-Men related, I would highly recommend it. Uh, I cannot wait to dive into that. We've also got another uh, trade paperback that uh is not marvel related so hold on hold your horses don't throw the tomatoes just yet what do we have here transformers beast wars this is issues one through six i actually had the the issues themselves and i liked it so much that i purchased the uh the collected version i'm super excited again this was supposed to come out like three months ago so sometimes it takes a while for those things all right I now have, as I, if any of you follow me on my podcast, uh, I do explain that I've kind of calmed down in my comic book purchases. I don't buy as many because I buy these collected editions now, Uh, but we've got some pretty cool ones here today. So this is a facsimile edition of The Amazing Spider-Man 238. So this was, I believe, the first appearance of Hobgoblin. Facsimile editions of comics are essentially complete reprints ads and all of these comics so as you can see these are the old ads from when this came out uh all the way in here i mean they even have the like bolt you can order if you wanted you can order a free t-shirt with a pro am 24 are you kidding me take me back right take me back to stranger to stranger things stranger times uh we've got a gorgeous variant cover of marauders issue number one this is by peach momoko uh, that is Psylocke on the front cover. Uh, brand new uh, story. They had Jerry Duggan writing this for a while, but then he moved away, and now we've got uh, a new writer on this. I'm really excited to dive in. And then the final one, which is, honestly, I'm, I'm so excited for this, is Immortal X-Men by uh, Kieran Gillen, who's doing the Eternals run. Apparently, this comic, plus the Eternals, plus the Avengers are all going to be in a giant event series this summer called uh, I believe it's called it's it's avengers x-men and eternals uh judgment i believe what it is judgment day might have to correct me on that but look at this it's a wraparound cover so it's got this you guys see the play on uh, jesus on here i don't know who they're actually the, the jesus seat is empty so i think they're being as respectful as they can but those are the comics that i got this month so again nothing too crazy Uh, Again, saying that to my wife, to everyone else, this is awesome. Uh, But from there, we're going to dive into some recommendations for, uh, (laughs) I just saw Maya's comment there, you say Karen Gillan, very close, Kieran Gillan, basically the exact same, they may even be from the exact same town, I I have no idea, don't quote me. Uh, Marvel Unlimited releases comics every Monday, uh, three months after they've come out uh, in physical print. Which is a really good deal guys so if you're if you're wanting to get into comics you don't know where to start just get a marvel unlimited subscription and i i wish they were paying me they're not uh it's super reasonable i think it's like 69 bucks a year uh and one comic issue these days is four dollars 3.99 or usually now 4.99 so you're making your money almost immediately you have access to their entire library but then they add these new comics every week And so again, three, three months ago, these comics came out in real time and now they're here on the app. So that's one, another reason why I've kind of declined my physical purchases is because I can get them here. And then if I really like it, I'll buy the collected edition. So, um, the ones that I read this week that came out, uh, the newest issue of Captain Marvel by, uh, Kelly Thompson, which was interesting. We're one issue away They're in this thing called the last Marvels uh which is it's like a fight between all of the marbles it's pretty interesting i've been i've been entertained with it there's a new issue of black widow that came out issue number 13 uh, also by kelly thompson and uh, no mistake there why we're mentioning multiple kelly thompson issues this week it's almost perfect it's almost like uh uh, we've got something planned with kelly thompson uh later this month so I, i we'll see keep that uh keep that on the dl uh we also have a really cool new series i'm saving to read all at once it's a mini series Uh, electra black white and blood which is a really cool anthology series they've been doing with multiple characters they they they're about to do it with moon knight they did it with carnage where all of the art is is in black and white and red for the blood and so it's usually very violent characters so i'm looking forward to that one there's uh oh yeah and so there's also a new issue of spider-man amazing spider-man issue number 84 where uh spider-man has to deal with doc ock Uh, and i'm loving this run right now it's it's the beyond series and it's actually been ben Riley as spider-man for a while Uh, again loving it really enjoying it shang chi issue number seven is out brand new arc getting started dealing with his mom and uh, super excited for this because the series is, been, is very different from the movies where his parents don't exactly have the same names. Their backstories are a little different. His sister is different. But we learn about Talo in this issue. So I was like, oh, OK, now we're starting to get maybe a little bit that they're trying to pull from the movies, which is cool. The final issue of Inferno by Jonathan Hickman is out this week. So for those of you that are waiting to listen to that episode of Comics and Cinema, you can now finish the series and go back and listen. Uh, Also, new issue of Thor. Thor issue number 20. Right now, they're currently doing a series called The God of Hammers, which we find out in this issue. I won't spoil who the God of Hammers is. is. I was not expecting it, but it was pretty shocking. Uh, We also have the final issue of The Darkhold, uh, which has been about Scarlet Witch and Dr. Doom. Uh, I enjoyed this final issue. All the issues in between seem kind of like a waste of time, but I'm very curious to see where they're going to take Wanda next. And I wonder if this kind of just spawned out of WandaVision. And then the final one is the newest issue of X-Men by Jerry Duggan. Issue number six, uh, we learn about a new character named Captain Krakoa, who uh, I think I know who it is, but we're not exactly 100% sure. So, you know, stick with it. The art is amazing. Pepe Larraz has been absolutely phenomenal. So um that is that for comics uh let's dive into a little bit of cinema and cinema and tv so like i said before we dive into some of the meatier topics i wanted to give a shout out to one of the greatest movies of all time which is 12 angry men so uh hang on a minute that uh, close I, i imagine close but no cigar there we go okay so 12 angry men uh, really amazing movie. It's in black and white, but if you can get past that, trust me, it's worth it. It's a Criterion film. It is a really good story. It's actually, reading it, it's one of the first stories, cinema-wise, of uh, a situation like this where the, the movie takes place almost entirely in the jury deliberation room. And so what happens is a young Puerto Rican male uh, is being accused of killing his father. And he's on trial, and uh, they're deliberating whether to sentence him to death. And so it's twelve angry men because it's a very hot day in New York City. So there's a lot of sweat, a lot of anger. Uh, but Henry Fonda plays the main guy, and it's it's one of the coolest things ever. I mean, I don't, I almost don't want to spoil it, but this film is 65 years old. So, um, it basically he is able to convince uh almost the entire room i believe uh to kind of changing their minds because initially they go in and there's this movie is really uh kind of a, a look at prejudice in america which again was was new this, i mean this took place before the civil rights era uh starting in 1957 when this movie came out um but they're sitting there and all every single person except for henry fonda all wants to put this guy to death and it's a kid it's like a teenager mm-hmm. And uh, but he says, like, hey, let's take a minute and, you know, maybe we can look at these facts. Let's see if there's, uh, you know, any reasonable doubt that we can look at. And eventually, as the movie goes on, he starts winning people over, uh, which is just so cool. And so by the end of it, uh, again, I won't reveal exactly what happens at the end, but it's just a really cool uh, film for its time and i, I w- again i was reading up on it and actually uh ju- supreme court justice sonia sotomayor cites this film as the reason why she went into law which is really really cool so um i'm looking here at a comment let's see let's see what this is from anthony can't wait for the review of anyone in everything all the time all over the place all at once in the same place as the first place that everyone was in uh, that's got to be the sequel. I Honestly, I can't wait for the sequel if that's the case. But like I said, uh, 12 Angry Men, I believe, is available on HBO Max. I would highly recommend checking it out. The movie is only 96 minutes long, so hour and a half of your time. But when you leave afterwards... Uh, You'll be reborn in a sense, because I think we're, we're in a day and age now where we get to we can watch a lot of that on TV, not necessarily jury deliberations. But when you see courtroom dramas and all that sort of stuff, it's just really cool to have that uh in our time uh Paz Vizsla portrait in the back oh right yeah exactly you know I you could call Boba Fett too uh but it's it is the Mandalorian so we'll we'll clear that up here no more guessing on that end uh but that that puts us in, in a good spot now so um like I said this week and by this week I mean the last two days uh I watched the first season of Ted Lasso and oh my gosh guys where have I been what's been happening why why didn't someone tie me to a chair and and eyes wide eyes wide shut clockwork orange my eyes to make me watch this um it it was awesome I can't wait to watch the second season I I watched five episodes and then another five episodes they're so you know you eat them up like candy it's crazy uh and I even have I put that on here too uh, so uh Ted Lasso and I think this is a perfect photo, too, because this is most of my favorite characters in the show. Um, my favorite character besides Ted, uh, 100% is uh, Hannah or Rebecca. Hannah, Hannah Weddingham plays Rebecca right here on uh, to his left. Uh, it might be to your right. But she was phenomenal. Uh, Brett Goldstein as Roy Kent was amazing. So was Brendan Hunt as uh, Coach Beard. And then Juno Temple as Keeley Jones. Jeremy Swift as Higgins, uh, calling out to Nick Mohammed as Nathan Shelley. Uh, it, it was interesting too. A lot of people pegged this as a sports show, and to me, honestly, it didn't really feel like a sports show. I mean, obviously, it was about a sport, but I noticed on multiple instances that you never really see them play soccer. There's a couple of moments where you see them practice, and a couple of moments in the game where you watch them play the game. But for the but you never. And I was thinking that maybe that would happen uh in the the season finale we're like okay the finale is like one long soccer game that would have been kind of cool but even then we didn't see a full game because it's not about the sport and i think that's the whole point of the show it's about uh just being a good person and uh, i was reading some reviews that obviously are you know a year and a half old at this point but this show came out in 2020 and everything that was going on in 2020 at that point this was like the dose of medicine that i think america needed and maybe the world even needed so i can totally see why it, it kind of swept the emmys last year and again i'm excited to tune in for season two to see them maybe sweep the emmys this year too um so many just standout moments i i loved and i sp- again i'm probably preaching to the choir here but like the the thinking like a goldfish I thought was really cool i love that whole idea and i think that's something that you can apply to any piece of your life where um you know you get upset about something and it was even better in the finale when you know they, they don't win and he says to them and i'm trying to remember exactly what he says but he says you know there's the only thing worse than losing or dealing with a loss is dealing with a loss alone and i want you all to look around at each other in this room and be grateful that you don't have to go through this alone and then also that you know this you know these feelings don't last forever and i think we've talked about that in some other prior episodes too but just this idea that You know it's okay. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to not be perfect all the time. You just gotta get back up and try again the next day. And so I loved that mantra. You know he says, "Go be sad today, and then tomorrow be a goldfish, and let's forget about it and move on and move forward." Uh, Which is just such a good message to literally anybody anywhere. Uh, I loved his line about uh, hard. The harder you work, the luckier you get and uh and i see i'm seeing now brian says what do you mean they don't win uh and that was actually the biggest twist of the of the season for me because they had that really cool showing of making that point to tie the game up and then almost immediately the other team scores another point And i was like oh wow that was quick um but yeah so i loved that i love rebecca welton uh so much because i think she really embodied a just a really strong female character and something that we have not seen i at least have not seen in a really long time in a sports type film but then the other good thing about her character is you start to see these cracks forming around her uh that is just almost impossible to avoid when you're around somebody like ted lasso And that was a great line, too, when he comes in at the very beginning and Roy Kent's getting upset at him and he looks at Coach Beard and he goes, man, he is going to hate it when he starts loving us. And he was like, yeah, man, I know. And and that I took that quote directly to Rebecca because she purposely hires him to uh, to coach this team into failure just only because uh, he's not a soccer coach. And I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world where he's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove everybody wrong. And I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to motivate these players. And I thought, man, you know, is there anything Ted can't do? And that's when we got to the spot where we're dealing with um, uh, his marriage, which was incredibly sad. And uh, I loved that we didn't get to see so much of it, that it was, a, it was very peripheral in that sense where there was a lot of, questions about it like what what drove them to this spot where they're wanting this much distance and they never really dive into it except for you know a couple moments ted kind of shares some stories about it but that really hit hard like I, i felt really bad for him um and at the same time though it was it was one of those things where uh, it's almost a good check in with your your own friends and family because you've got somebody who every every moment that you're around them, they're absolutely you know happy and uh, just motivating everybody and an amazing person like Ted is, but you don't realize what what's going on behind the scenes and that he's really hurting. So really good message to reach out to those that you love, make sure they're doing okay. Uh, and I mean, even that scene, and that that was the turning point where I was like, you know obviously, Rebecca is likes Ted like, he grew on her almost immediately especially when those biscuits showed up and uh, again loved that that he was the one who made those biscuits but um it was i think that moment when they were at the um the bar at the dance the karaoke place and she comes out and comforts him and that was the moment where i was like okay they're they're friends there's really nothing that's going to tear this apart because you just see this this uh she goes from being so tough and having such a tough outer shell because of the hurt that she's been given by her ex-husband, who, um, I don't, I'm going to see if I find the guy on IMDb, but he was incredible at being a piece of human garbage. And I hated every moment that he was on uh, on camera. And uh, especially with the whole new Rebecca, but it's actually old Rebecca, like that was soul crushing. Uh, but the fact that she just kept getting up, and I mean, she, in, in a sense, she almost embodied the goldfish ideal because, yeah, you you know that she's hurting probably 24-7, but she did a really good job of something happened to her. She would cut, you could tell in her eyes that she was freaking out, and, and then she would kind of let it go. And Kara, I'm going to call your comment out here too. Spotlight on panic attacks is phenomenal, especially for those that have them, 100%. When Ted was freaking out, I, I didn't know how to react. I was like, Oh no! What's happening? Is he gonna go up on stage and say something, or you know, whatever it was? And he just I I love that he just gets up and leaves. Like he d- didn't want to cause a scene. Just got out of there and goes and crouches outside. But I the the close-ups on his hands as he was shaking and oh, it just my heart was went out for him. But then you see that almost similar thing it wasn't you know identical obviously everyone deals with their stress differently but when uh when is it Rupert when her when her ex-husband tells her that the new Rebecca is pregnant and she just kind of stands there and stares and she doesn't say anything but then her tears start forming in her eyes they never come out of her eyes that wasn't completely deserved the Emmy award for that I thought was phenomenal I got choked up when that happened because how dare him just show up like an absolute jerk, especially after getting totally destroyed by Ted and darts. Uh, I just, I, like I said, I think she ended up being my favorite character just because I'm a sucker for that story of somebody who's very, very hard and has a very hard heart and they open themselves up to everyone. I mean, even in that case, and I think someone called that out in the comments too. Um, Yeah, that was Brian when Rebecca comes clean and and, uh, he hugs her was so good. That, that's the lesson. And that's another huge lesson from the show that we've got to take away from this is we're living in a culture right now and we're living in a society where people get agitated very quickly and things that people say can be taken the wrong way. And obviously we need to watch our words and be careful, but never underestimate the power of an apology and both, both giving an apology and receiving an apology. It is, speaking from experience as someone who's apologized a lot, um, it's very easy to do. It's a very easy thing to say, I'm sorry, Uh, I screwed up, I messed up, Uh, but it's a lot easier to say it almost than it is to receive it, because I feel like a lot of times people who are being apologized to, maybe they're not in the headspace to accept that apology, maybe it's too soon, Um, but I just thought it was the way that they showed a good kind of acceptance of an apology like that with Ted i thought was amazing and so her, you know him going and giving her a hug and saying hey you know it's okay when people love each other they find a way to get through it and i just love that we're getting another really great example of um of different types of love right obviously they have no romantic connections that i know of i haven't gotten to season two yet but i saw that exact same sort of love between him and um keely as well uh, which was one of my other favorite characters in the show for the same reason i just they killed the female representation in the show i thought the the female characters got some of the coolest storylines in terms of rising up and learning things and in this case with her you know she was kind of at the very beginning in that first episode again me knowing nothing about the show i was like oh geez here's you know the arm candy of the famous football player and i think it was within one episode maybe two that i was like oh she's actually 100 times better than he is and she knows it and, but you see her kind of struggling to own that. And eventually, as the season goes on, and I'm, I truly believe because of Ted's help and kind of motivation to her, and then even more so because of Rebecca. She becomes this more powerful person, which I just thought was so cool. You know, going from becoming being arm candy in the first episode to now she's the uh, the promoter kind of for the football club, which is really cool. And <laughs> her, her uh her thing in the hotels when she's on the TVs, I thought was fantastic. That bit with Roy Kent where he's like, "I've been th- <laughs> I've been thinking about you a lot lately," and she's like, "Oh, why?" He's like, "Cause I see you on my TV every night when I'm trying to go to sleep." Uh, which was great. but yeah no so her her and Rebecca I thought were just the absolute dynamic duo. Uh, okay, Brian's got a great crush question here too. Uh, Lion or Panda. Uh, I, I'd say look I we hadn't had an episode on it yet and we will be talking about it when we talk about our, our mainline movie here but uh, I loved turning red. So I probably would go with Panda, but I loved that argument and that was that even that scene was amazing because you look at it and you see Rebecca who's like I'm not dealing with this I don't want to be a part of this and then you know he says yeah I think it would be a panda and she's like are you crazy what are you talking about it should be a lion and it was like ah, ha, you care you actually care so it was really cool to see her cracks form throughout the, se- the season like that I think oh, I thought it was British I was gonna say I think they call it series but uh, this was an American show so I thought that was great also another great example of uh humility too and of inclusion was uh nathan nate uh coolest one of my favorite scenes is in that first episode where he says what's your name and he's like oh it doesn't really matter he's like no no i I asked tell me your name and uh, he says it's nate and then he you know he knows his name and nate just loses his mind that this coach of a football team knows his name and that's something again a great message that we can always carry on but you know don't underestimate the power of anybody and especially when you're in an organization like that where every single piece of help matters Uh, and you think about it in the exact same uh same way as like making a movie right all the way down to the the people that you never see on screen that are behind the scenes uh they all matter and so to have somebody at the top of the house recognizing that and remembering people's names which is huge uh was awesome and uh Kara's got a great call out here too with small acts of kindness I totally agree this this show was basically small acts of kindness they could have called the title of that each episode being a small act Uh, I'm trying to think if there's some other great things obviously Nathan was hilarious when he gets that that speech he gets to give to the team the day of the game uh, and he's basically dissing everybody that was amazing huge amount of character growth from him going from that to uh, where he you know, didn't even want to say anything because he was nervous that he'd throw up or that people would, you know, laugh at him, uh, was just amazing. I thought that was great. Coach Beard doesn't say much, but everything that he does say was uh, super powerful. So I thought he was hilarious. He reminded me of the classic coach that you see on the sidelines at most of the football games that looks almost identical to him that you never see speak. Uh, So I almost wonder if that was kind of a play on that. Uh, Let me know in the comments. actually, I'm curious, uh, was this based on real life? Because I'm assuming it wasn't, Um, especially with these characters, because I'm I'm looking at Roy Kent now, uh, another great example of lessons to be learned uh, in terms of anger, uh, which was really cool to see in terms of him kind of being the big brother of the group, which I love that scene where he uh, goes to coach and asks him to step in because people are picking on Nate. Uh, Thank you, Brian, it is not based on real life. Uh, When he goes to pick on Nate and he's like, hey, you need to make him stop. He was like, no, I agree. They shouldn't be picking on Nate. And he's like, okay, well, then are you going to do something? He was like, no, I'm not going to do something because again, you know, if the teacher steps in, the kid's still going to get picked on and picked on even worse. And I just loved how aloof and uncaring Roy Kent seemed to be but he did such a good job. Brett Goldstein just absolutely crushed it at the internal realization of being right. And he's the kind of person that would rather take the easy road. He doesn't want to deal with his feelings. He doesn't want to talk. But every time they'd be like, kind of, you know, this is the right thing to do. And he'd just go, oh, yeah, and then he'd go do it. But he was so upset about it. Like, I love that. Um, ooh, nice shout out here from Maya. Um, that's why learning people's love languages is so important, which we will be chatting about on Thursday. Uh, that would be for Nerdy Girls After Dark. Uh, tune in on Thursday. They kicked absolute butt last week. Um, but it's true. I mean, you you get to this spot where, um, and it's funny, this is, it kind of goes to a lot of the characters in this show, but like people just want to be understood. And uh, if you take the time to actually get to know people and understand them, understand what they want, uh, it, it it goes for miles like uh, Roy Kent and Keely. And then even with Jamie, Jamie Tart, played by Phil Dunster. I hated Jamie. He was such a showboat. He was an absolute annoyance, but he kicked buttons. So how do you deal with somebody like that? Well, Roy dealt with him the same way that I've seen on many football movies where, you know, he gets benched. But I loved by the end of it where he was like, what's going on? Uh, you know, Ted's doing these mind games with me where he's still speaking very highly of me, even though I don't work on the, the same team as him anymore. But that just, again, goes to that same thing, because he knows that uh, based on the curse episode that Jamie had a really tough childhood and no, his father was never there for them, for him. So for him to be there for him, to send him the little uh, toy soldier and congratulate him on the extra pass, I, I, it just, that that show wrapped up so perfectly and I'm surprised there's even another season, but I'm glad because I need it. Um, Brian's got a comment here. Solve a bet. Did you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I did not. I've not seen that show. Um, and then Kara, also a great comment here. Roy Kent, figuring out how to share and understand emotions and feelings. It really is. Again, this is, this is something, it's so strange to me. It's something that I feel like everyone should be talking about, everyone should be doing, but you never see this sort of stuff on TV. And you, you kind of see it in sports movies. I mean, that's one of the reasons we love them, right? You got the, the tough coach, whether that's Kevin Costner or Denzel Washington or whoever that is. You've got, a, you've got this tough person with a tough exterior who the team breaks down the boundaries and, and suddenly they're a good person again. And yeah, that's nice. But that doesn't happen every day. That's not an everyday sort of occurrence. And the things that are shared in Ted Lasso felt much more every day, much more relatable. And uh, and by definition, I thought better because, again, it just it was really cool. So, like I said, I love the show. Um, and I'm just trying to think there's so many other cool bits and moments from here. I don't think we'd be able to cover them all. But I know Brian has covered them in some prior podcast episodes. So go check that out. Um. But with that said, uh, let's move into the main event. So I'm going to get back to my uh, my pictures here. So Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which seems to be a movie that no one has heard about anywhere at all, which is totally fine because tonight my goal is to get you all to go see this movie in theaters because uh, I get that it's only April. I get that no Marvel movies have come out. For the Marvel fans, this is my top movie of the year. And it's going to be really hard for another movie to touch this because uh, and I would think theoretically the only thing that's going to come close to it would be Doctor Strange because that movie also deals with multiverses. But uh, this movie just absolutely kills it when it comes to the multiverse. So let's dive in uh, and start breaking down the cast real quick. So it's directed by the Daniels. Uh, which are two Dans. we got Dan Kwan and Dan Shiner. They did Swiss Army Man, if you've ever seen that movie. If you haven't, you should check it out because it's just about as insane as this film. This almost feels like their magnum opus, though, which is pretty crazy because this is their second feature film. Um, And I'm not surprised because it's an A24 movie. So as you guys know, A24, they produce some of the best films ever. You got Moonlight and um, The Witch. Uh, ex machina hereditary uh the list goes on and on green knight i mean pick your poison there's there's so many great films and so uh when i heard this movie was coming out saw that it was a 24 also saw that it dealt with the multiverse i completely forgot though who the producers of this film were so you guys think you can guess Uh, i'll give you a hint i mentioned some of their movies just a little bit ago uh and I'll, i'll pull it up here real quick but produced by the russo brothers uh anthony and joe russo but that's not all also produced by sarah halley finn as a co-producer uh there's a bunch of other producers in there as well but how cool is that that we've got three marvel veterans producing this film which to me uh says a lot about this movie especially because she's not oh she did she casted it she did casting too so huge shout out to sarah for casting uh, one of the best performances I've seen this year. Uh, I think I grabbed an accidentally grabbed a baby photo. For those of you that don't know, this is short round from Indiana Jones and the temple of doom. Uh, that is Ki Hui Kwan who plays the father in this movie, Waymond Wang. Uh, again, if you look at his IMDB, he's been in a few things. He's been in some TV. He's been in some kind of lower budget movies, but nothing like this. So, um, huge comeback i guess you could say Uh, and i loved that michelle yo as evelyn wang the main character uh i don't i'd be curious that this might be her best performance that i've ever seen uh, of her Uh, and i've seen a few obviously there's some movies of hers that i haven't seen but she's just operating on all cylinders and we'll dive into that um stephanie sue uh playing joy wang who is the uh daughter of waymond and evelyn joy uh for those of you that may not know was also in another movie and as i was watching it i was like i know i've seen her from something what is it that i've seen her from she's in shang chi the legend of the ten rings so that's two uh two shang chi performances in this film which is which is awesome and then we also there's a guy who's very barely in this movie but we had to, i had to call him out his name is uh biff Wiff, uh and he plays rick uh but you may know him from uh i think you should leave as santa claus uh and i wanted to i really wanted to put a gif in here uh but apparently uh stream only allows up to three megabytes and it was seven uh but he says uh that me he says uh he's talking i'm watching the gif right now even if i do a bad job they've got to give me that other two mil he says even if i'm offered one more movie they gotta give me that two million dollars he just plays a really ornery santa claus Uh, And he was absolutely hilarious doing it. So uh, everything all at once. It's a long movie. It's two hours and 20 minutes. But I guarantee you, you will not feel like uh, it is a long movie. It flew by. Uh, And I think part of the reason why it flew by, not just because the story itself is very interesting, uh, but it's also because the editing and the camera work is very fast. And that's part of the reason why, because you're dealing with multiverses. And so I almost, I almost, I don't know, I'm going to see how it looks when we're watching Doctor Strange. But there's a scene in this movie where, you know, it's Michelle Yeoh's face and she's kind of going through multiverses. And it's like quick cuts of her same face wearing different clothing and different backgrounds it felt like a hundred or maybe, you know, 30, 40, whatever that is I, in a short span of time, just quickly going. And I just kept thinking to myself, this is incredible. They did that with other people in the film. Are we going to see 40 different Dr. Stranges? I'm not sure. Uh, but again, I, I feel bad even comparing it to the Marvel movie, just a uh, Marvel movie, because it's, it's just, like I said, it's, it's in a dimension of its own. So the story goes, Evelyn Wang, And I won't spoil too much of this, guys, because I I really want you to check it out. What's nice is there's really not any spoilers to it other than actual bits and pieces of the movie, which, again, I won't dive into. Uh, I'm just going to talk about some of my favorite parts that hopefully will get you guys excited to go see it. So Evelyn and Wayman Wang, they are a Chinese family living in, I believe, Sacramento. I think it's California, but they own a laundromat. And so they, it's, it's uh, just the story of them kind of trying to make ends meet. Uh, they're being audited by the IRS because they've been claiming a bunch of extra things that aren't work related on their taxes, apparently. And we get a really amazing performance uh, of, by Jamie Lee Curtis uh, as the tax auditor named Deidre. And uh, she just she kills it. And you get to this point where in the beginning you hate her. But then by the end of it, because you've seen her in multiple universes, Uh, you start to really like her and you start to sympathize with her. And that's, I think, one of the pieces and and magical pieces of this film is that there's a lot of sympathy to be had, uh, especially around the human experience. So that's part of it. They're getting audited. She's got this daughter, Joy, who uh, brings her girlfriend with her to meet their grandfather, who is James Hong, the, the famous James Hong, who kills it in this movie too, basically playing the grandfather. And we get, like I said, a very similar story to Turning Red, where you see the generational trauma that's passed down from the grandfather to the mother to now the daughter. And it's that same sort of trauma of you need to be perfect. You need to be exactly what I want you to be. You need to find a job that's going to be super successful. Obviously, the mom and certainly the grandfather are not approving of her daughter's uh, same-sex relationship, which is super sad. And the daughter is obviously super frustrated about it. And, and it, there's just a lot of stuff going on. Uh, every, everything, right? Everything is going on. And, and the movie's actually broken up into three parts which is cool. So they do a part one, that's everything. And then a part two, that's everywhere. And then a part three, that's all at once. And if you think they can't pull that off, they 100% do in terms of the themes of each of those parts of the movie, which was just amazing. And so I'll I'll briefly just explain what the situation of the film is. Again, I don't want to go into spoilers, but um, they're being, they're at this IRS office and they're getting audited. And her husband you know, it looks like he's about to turn into a different person, basically. And he writes her this note and says, like, you need to meet me. And then they do this in the elevator. He's like, you need to meet me in the, the broom closet. And he basically explains to her that he is another version of himself from a different universe that um, is part of this multiverse. And they're trying to find and destroy the, the villain of the film, who is Jobu Tapaki. And uh, there's a lot of, I mean, I can't even get into the amount of jokes and funny things that happen with this that are also on top of that very serious. But uh, Joe Tabaki was an amazing villain. Um, One of the coolest, uh, you know, she she was able to, uh, she's basically got full control of all the multiverses of everything. So there's a really cool scene. I won't share the whole scene, but there's a part where she's fighting somebody and she like, punches them and their head explodes into glitter and then the next person she like turns them into an animal or so like basically could can manipulate reality because she has control over all of the multiverses and so the whole point is we need to stop her otherwise she's going to destroy every single universe and so what ends up happening is they choose she, this particular evelyn this michelle yo has been chosen because in every other multiverse she has become this amazing accomplished person there's a multiverse where she's an actress and it's it's almost like a love letter to michelle Yeoh's career because in one of them she's this kung fu actress super famous there's another one where she's a uh, hibachi chef and there is a it's not it's not the biggest spoiler because you're going to want to see this Uh, those of you know we talked about in the last episode I love a good rat story and in this episode (laughs) we get this movie we get a there's a scene where uh she's trying to explain to her family this whole multiverse situation she's like the way that happens is and I'm sure this is super confusing go see the movie uh she uh you wear these headsets and you have to do a certain thing really random really weird and super weird but in doing so that triggers something in the multiverse to pull the skills of your other self to you so as an example for me in another multiverse I'm a person who's super tall this isn't going to play well but I need to use I need to use this tall person so I've got the headset on and it would say that I need to punch a hole in the wall and so the minute that I punch the hole in the wall the headset lights up green they tap it and then I would grow in height uh which was really cool to see so she's having to do these really random weird things but she gets you know kung fu skills and guys the action in this movie is some of the best action that I've ever seen it's John Wick level action it's insane because every single one there's an instance where she's pulling skills from a version of herself where she's a sign twirler and in the fight she's using a uh, riot shield and using it like a sign twirling to just kill all these people that she's fighting absolutely insane and so okay in this universe uh she so she's trying to explain to her family she's like okay um it's it's like you she goes it's like that movie where you know it's like another version of yourself is kind of like in your hair and pulling your hair and making you you do certain things and uh it's like it's like the movie you know what i'm talking about it's the pixar movie with the raccoon in the hair it's it's called she's like the daughter's like wait what are you talking about? And it was, it's like the classic mom joke of like, what movie is that? She's like, no, yeah, it's like the raccoon. Uh, it's called Rakakuni. And she's like, mom, you mean Ratatouille. She's like, no, 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 I think it's Raccooni. There then becomes, there's a multiverse where she is a hibachi chef and there's another hibachi chef who has a raccoon in his hat. And he, the, the, and, 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 like, it ends up actually being an important piece of the plot. That is the level of care this movie has, and that is the level of absolute epicness that this movie has. And so you've got that piece. There's there's this multi, there hundreds of different multiverses where she's pulling different versions of herself and those skills into her. But then even cooler than that is, so that's like everything. That's the everything person per portion, and then the everywhere portion is when she finally kind of confronts uh, Jobu, and she gets taken and experiences all of these other multiverses so instead of everything happened to her she goes everywhere and you start seeing all of this insanity i mean there's a piece where um she's a rock and her and jobu are rocks and they're just talking and it's just text on the screen um there's a universe where her and uh jamie lee curtis's deidra are together as a couple but they're in a universe where everyone has hot dogs for hands uh and yeah absolute insanity but it all makes sense and it all connects to everything and that's when you get to the third part of all at once where it just all everything kind of converges into this one moment and the again like i said i won't spoil it the the storyline follows turning red quite a bit not in the turning red portion but in the mother-daughter sort of relationship but it's no less powerful having watched both of those films it still made me tear up in theaters so like I said, it it was phenomenal. We need to talk though about Wayman Wang. So uh, again, for those of you that are fans of Indiana Jones uh, and remember Short round, he is basically the same character, which I thought was really cool because I didn't know he was in the movie. And as the movie was playing for a while, I'm sitting there like, he's this is wild. I know I know I've seen this before. Like I've seen this type of performance. I was like, no, 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 His voice sounds really familiar too. And I was like, "No way! That's is that short round from Indiana Jones?" And it turned out that it was. He does such an amazing job, and and, and you get almost that same sort of Ted Lasso view, where Michelle Ye- Michelle Yeoh's character is very pessimistic. She has been broken by her father, and you've got uh, Wayman's character, and he is uh, super kind and super positive. He puts googly eyes on everything, and he even tells her he's like he said. There's a there's a line in the film. Uh, And it's a bit, my brother called it out too, uh, gorgeous shots that reminded uh, of a Wong Kar Wai film, In the Mood for Love, where uh, it's it's the multiverse where uh, Michelle Yeoh was an actress. And she, instead of going with her husband, chooses to not ever date him. And so they meet again later. And, you know, she's like, maybe we should try again now that she knows the other universes. And he says something like, you know, there's no room in the world for a silly man uh because he doesn't want his heart to get broken but he really is a silly man in this movie in the best way um just making silly jokes and trying to be as nice and yeah stevie just called it i want car wise the goat uh, but they called out so many other um there's so many asian artist influences in this movie there's obviously jackie chan uh in the fighting styles but it just again it, it felt like something that something that i've never seen before but at the same time something that i have always wanted maya sounds like the i am episode from lovecraft country it's crazier than the that episode and that episode was crazy and, and beautiful and amazing but this one just the sheer volume of everything that's going on and that they even get to this piece at the end where all of these different bad people that were fighting her at different points in time throughout the movie, they all come back. And this, is it's not a spoiler again, you know, it's multiverses, they're all showing up, but she finds a new way to fight them with inspiration from her husband. And this is all happening from the beginning of the movie where her husband's thinking about presenting her with divorce papers because she has just kind of turned into, um, you know, she won't talk to him. She won't speak to anybody in a sense. She's very to herself. And so you know they work on their relationship and you see universes where they're happy together universes where they're not happy together and where they never met or where they you know her daughter is doing this or doing that and it just it, it was really cool and like i said i you know the movie ended there is even a bit in the movie where it ended early And I, for half a second, was like, there's no possible way. (laughs) This movie is over right now. Credits are rolling and all this stuff. But then it turns out that this was in the the universe where Michelle Yeoh is an actress. And that whole piece of the movie was part of the performance. Absolutely nuts. Like I said, it's insane. It is everything, everywhere, all at once, all in your face. I will be shocked if this movie does not get nominated for something next year. I'll be absolutely shocked. I would assume my bets would be um film editing 100 uh directing best picture writing uh actress actor and uh probably a supporting actor too for i'd put it for jamie and for uh for stephanie as well as the daughter um for reasons that you'll have to see in the movie but it just like i said this movie hit home for me it was fantastic i really want to go see it again Uh, I know I'll probably buy it on a physical copy when it comes out uh, as soon as possible. But uh, again, hopefully, this was enough to get you guys excited. You've got raccoons, you've got multiverses, you've got hot dogs for fingers, you've got rocks with googly eyes on them. And you also have, again, some of the best action that you will ever see. And that is not hyperbole. The action in this movie is nuts, absolutely insane. So please, like I said, go support this film in theaters. It's not streaming anywhere. Um, and I I get that it's two and a half hours long, but if you were bummed that Dr. Strange dropped and it's only an ad two hours and six minutes long, go see this movie with a little extra time. So you won't be disappointed, but that is where we are going to wrap up on the show. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm really excited. I got to do this unboxing and and I'm going to be diving into these comics a little bit later. Um, if you can go check out 12 angry men, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. If you haven't seen Ted Lasso, that's on Apple TV Plus, uh, and then check out some of those comics on Marvel Unlimited. Next week, uh, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to talk about it. Just depends on if I'm able to go see it. Um, the new uh, what is it? Secrets of Dumbledore, uh, uh, Fantastic Beast movie. I have a mixed relationship with those films. I really liked the first one, the first Fantastic Beast movie. Uh, the Crimes of Grindelwald. The buildup of that movie was much more exciting. Uh, than the actual film, because I think we can all agree, and I will say publicly, that his crimes are absolutely heinous, and some of the worst crimes that we've ever seen are those of Grindelwald. So um, to hopefully have that dealt with, I know Mads Mikkelsen is playing Grindelwald now. He should have been Grindelwald always. I know I think um, our buddy Ed uh, just went and saw it and said the same thing. So I'm hoping it's good. I saw IGN gave it a less than stellar review, but I love harry potter so i've been really enjoying this kind of behind the scenes look at the prior um prior prequels i guess you could i don't even know what you're going to call them anymore but um but it'll be exciting we'll see i'm going to try to see that and that'll be what we talk about next tuesday but until yeah oh no way guys my younger brother uh joey and we got look at that we got dumbledore's castle uh grindelwald is evil this is my younger brother joey joey thanks so much for tuning in the live stream here we go this is what i was trying to get at everybody most of us wouldn't touch crimes with a 10-foot pole but grindelwald <laughs> watch out because he he'll get you guys thank you so much for tuning in uh, to comics and cinema i'm your host alex klein and we will see you at the movies